Welcome to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk. Here's your host, Jason Davis. Good morning, everybody. Happy Friday. Welcome into Soccer Morning here on World Soccer Talk. Hope you're ready for your weekend. Big show for you today. Lining up a couple of excellent guests on the program again on a Friday. I'm just excited that it's Friday. It's not that I don't love you people. It's not that I don't love doing this show but you, ever, you, you need that break. Everybody needs that break. No matter what you do in life, no matter what your your chosen profession might be, uh, you need the break. If you work through the weekend, I'm sorry about your luck. Maybe you have a day off in the middle of the week, and that counts as your weekend. For me, Saturday and Sunday are sacrosanct days. I get to watch soccer and not worry about a whole lot. It's It's lovely. It's starting to be spring. It's raining today. But it's starting to be spring, which means a little bit of uh, dining al fresco is on the the, uh, docket. Lots of things I get to do now. I'm excited for the weekend. We're going to preview the weekend a bit uh, with you guys later on the show when I open up the phone lines. Tell me what what games you're looking forward to, whether it's in MLS or England or Spain or Italy or France or Germany, wherever it is. We will talk to you about that later on in the program. First up, Jonathan Tannenwald in about nine minutes, eight minutes, will join us. We're going to talk to Jonathan about a couple of business items in the world of American soccer. Should be a good discussion. You know him from Philly.com and the goalkeeper on Twitter. And then Jamie Goldberg from the Oregonian will join us and we'll talk to her about Portland Timbers FC Dallas coming up on Saturday night. We'll talk about Caleb Porter and his tactical evolution. We'll talk about Darlington Nagby and his role in this team. How close are Diego Valeri and Will Johnson to getting back into this side? They clearly need some help. They're trying to avoid last year's bad start. And if you look at the MLS standings, oh, Portland's at the bottom of the West. So that's not a good place for them to be. Let's do the headlines first before we talk to our friend Jonathan Tannenwald. Again, the MLS weekend coming up. Games, uh, games on this uh, game this weekend that um, everyone's looking forward to. Certainly after last week's disappointing round of games, brought on by the fact that we had so many international absences, so many players away playing for the national teams, a couple of guys injured as well who may be back this week. We'll see. Orlando and DC United is your Friday night tilt. You have Kaká at home in the Citrus Bowl, obviously uh, looking for their first win in Florida. Over a DC United team that comes off a, a good win against uh, against the LA Galaxy. Of course, the Galaxy were shorthanded because of the international break. But it was good to see, from a DC United perspective, a late winner from Chris Pontius. Uh, Nick DeLeon absolutely abusing Robbie Rogers down that uh, left-handed, left-hand side of the Galaxy defense. Chicago and Toronto on the docket. Colorado, New England in Colorado. Seattle and Houston. Something to uh, to watch there. Houston gets back their contingent of attacking players. Boniac Garcia, Giles Barnes, Seattle, uh, coming off um, coming off of a goalless draw last weekend. We'll need to score some goals. Obviously, uh, Vancouver at home. Vancouver and L.A. with uh, L.A.'s uh, attacking contingent coming back as well. Robbie uh, Robbie Keane and Jassy Zardis back in that team. Portland and Dallas, as I mentioned, we'll talk to Jamie Goldberg about that. San Jose and RSL is on Sunday, and Sporting Kansas City and Philadelphia is your capper of the weekend. If you look ahead to uh, the Premier League schedule, uh, you do have 
a couple of big games on the docket there as well. Arsenal uh, coming into the uh, coming into this portion of the season completely fit, probably for the first time in a long time since I can remember. Maybe maybe I'm missing something, but they seem to be much uh, much better, much more prepared for this portion of the season than they've been in a while. Arsenal and Liverpool is on the docket. That's a game uh, tomorrow morning at 7.45 Eastern. West Brom, QPR, bleh. Manchester United, Aston Villa, okay. Swansea, Hull City, you excited for that one? Everton and Southampton, the Toffees having a rough go of it. Lionel Messi could be fit for the Celta Vigo game this weekend for Barcelona. Remember, we talked yesterday, swelling in his right foot. That's why he did not play for Argentina in their in their friendlies during the international break. Barcelona would obviously love to have him back. Celta Vigo, mid-table team in, in Spain. Not necessarily the toughest competition. And you imagine that if this was a Clasico or a game against Atleti or, or Villarreal or somebody like that, that, uh, that Messi may play no matter his status with his foot. He has been cleared to play. Could imagine that he might be held out. Celta Vigo in 10th place right now. Barcelona, though, every point crucial. Still just a four-point lead over uh, Real Madrid in the standings. And uh, whatever you think of Real Madrid right now, they are capable of turning it around, going directly at Barcelona and taking that title off them off their hands. We spoke yesterday about the situation, the contract situation for Raheem Sterling at Liverpool. Brendan Rodgers in the news with quotes saying, hey, Raheem Sterling's not going anywhere this summer. The club is not going to sell. And if it doesn't want to sell, it won't sell. It's simply, simple as that. Money has never been the objective for the club. Whatever player, Raheem or anyone, leaves here, it will always be on the terms of the club. A way to put your foot down, uh, uh, Brendan. I <laughs> suppose that works. But if Raheem Sterling wants to go, maybe not this summer, he's going to go. So, okay, so you get another six months out of him. At the very, at the very least, could be another whole season. Raheem Sterling tw- is tw- 20 years old. He's an incredibly talented player. This contract thing is getting ridiculous. I think we're all tired of it. I think we all would just like it to be done and over with. So Liverpool can actually get back to playing games. I don't know if you saw this. This isn't exactly news. I'm throwing it into the headlines because guess what? It's a slow week. We've got games coming up. After that, I'm sure we'll have some more news next week. But maybe you saw this uh, jersey leak. And, and I don't really know where it came from. I know we tweeted it out at the Best Soccer Show account. Backhill.com's uh, Best Soccer Show featuring me and Jared Dubois. I don't know where it came from. Trevor, where did it come from? Is this a Reddit thing? What happened here? The United States men's national team, or or I don't know if this is supposed to be for both the men and the women, but it's a jersey leak. It's an image. Spanish language site that does the that does these leaks. Yeah, it's interesting. It's blue. The first the, the top half of it, the top half, top third of it is blue. Then it's got some <laughs> red and white stripes vertically. Through the middle, and then it's white at the bottom. Now, look, I don't mind trading on the flag. Obviously, I don't even mind leaving uh, like just going with the stripes. And we—I was a fan of the Waldo kits. Maybe I was the only one. I thought that could have been iconic. They chose not to go with it. This thing—why do why do the stripes stop halfway through? Trevor's going to tweet it out from soccer, the Soccer Morning account, I assume. Why do the stripes stop halfway down the shirt? Why not just have the stripes go all the way down? How much better would that shirt be if the stripes went all the way down? Like factors of a thousand. I can't imagine 
why you would do what this. It looks like tassels. It, it looks it looks terrible. Okay, that's enough ranting about. I'm not a, I'm not usually the type of person who rants about jerseys. They are what they are. The blue ones, the visiting uh, the the uh, away kit that they wore in Europe for these two games against Denmark and Switzerland. Those are ugly too. Those are hideous too. I, what's going on, Nike? Get your crap together. I would like to buy a jersey. I have the red, white, and blue. I have the bomb pop kit. Courtesy of our friends at uh, at Keeper's Notes. I don't know. I don't know what's going on. But the Americans need a, a look, and this is not it. Like I said, why don't the stripes go all the way down? Let's take a break. When we come back, Jonathan Tannenwald, Philly.com. Business of soccer. A couple other things. We'll jump around the league, maybe talk some union as well. Don't go anywhere. Be right back. Facing the crowd. You're talking too loud. But I can't hear you calling. Welcome back to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk with Jason Davis. Jumping in now to talk to Jonathan Tannewald from Philly.com at the goalkeeper on Twitter. I'm being told, by the way, before we get into this, Jonathan, I'm being told by Donald Wine on Twitter that he thinks this jersey link uh, came out on April Fool's Day and therefore invalidates everything about it. And I, I'd, be, I'd be fine with that. It's ugly. I wouldn't be disappointed if this was an April Fool's joke, but I don't know. These things tend to be more real than, than <laughs> they usually, we usually think they are. John, how are you? I'm doing fine. I kind of like the Captain America look personally. No, I, but again, the stripes should go all the way down. Why the white space? What's that about? I don't know. <laughs> all right. I don't, I, I'm, I'm not the most you are, you, Jonathan Danawood is not our fashion consultant, or our fashion critic around here on Soccer Morning. He is a man who keeps his eye on everything MLS, TV ratings, and, uh, and, and got a games to watch column that just came out at philly.com. I just retweeted that. Go check that out as well. Maybe we'll get into what, uh, what games John has on his must-see list. But, John, first thing I, I want to talk to you about is, is something that's been bouncing around, and you've been tweeting about it. Um, in terms of the NASL, and, and look, we, I talked to Bill Peterson this week. Their league, the this league season starts tomorrow. There's a lot of chatter about the NASL I'm not sure it's all about momentum I'm not sure that that everybody's quite sure what to make of them right now especially with Minnesota United defecting in a couple of seasons um so so I don't even know how to to really put this into context but there is still a question of whether or not the health of the NASL is as rosy as we think it is as who thinks it is us or Bill Peterson? Well, okay, Rosie as is as as being as is being portrayed certainly by Bill Peterson, who has a vested interest in doing so. But I've seen plenty of fans out there saying, "Hey, and look, I I want the NASL to succeed, John. I want the I want the picture to be rosy." I would. Lo- I, I am all in favor, despite a lot of people who think I don't believe this. I am all in favor of having strong and economically sustainable lower division soccer in the United States. It's something that I really and look, it's a major coup for the Cosmos and the NASL. Sign as you write. There's no question about that. Mm-hmm. And Bill Peterson, he, I think, after going on the view, he had a conference call with a lot of reporters, myself included, and he talked about how it's great that Haji Wright, you know, 
can sign a contract of the length of his own choosing and be a complete free agent afterwards. And he said that repeatedly and strongly. And a couple people, myself, Dan Dickinson, Howard, uh, Howard Megdal, uh, Kaplan, New York, tried to ask him whether that was uh, in contrast to major league soccer. And he ducked the question a couple times. Um, I hope for Haji Wright's sake uh-huh. that this works out well. I there is a history of U.S. youth prospects jumping the gun in MLS and elsewhere, and it not working out. And I I had a couple of readers. I don't. I have no idea whether this is the case. But I have a couple of readers ask me whether by virtue of being able to sign a one-year contract in the NASL instead of a multi-year contract with the Galaxy's USL team, he can then jump to Europe at 18 as soon as possible. And we would imagine that his agent, who, from my understanding, is based in Europe, and in Barcelona specifically, has already got a move for him lined up. So if Peterson's going to claim that, and, and I don't know how often this happens with guys who sign with so I, I have talked to some folks in the last couple of days and bounced it off them that it's all well and good to say you're going to be a free agent at the end of your contract and you'll be able to pick wherever you want to go next as long as your agent or whatever company your agent works for doesn't do the picking for you. Okay. Um, There's also, there's also a bit of a question, John, over the, uh, the investment in this league. Um, You know, Bill Peterson's out there talking about how he's got interested ownership groups. And I have no doubt that people have called him and inquired about perhaps putting an expansion team here or there. Uh, and they've had a couple of high-profile um, uh, failures might be the wrong word in one case, but certainly uh, high-profile mistakes with uh, Oklahoma City and, and the Virginia Cavalry. And in terms of, of who's taking on most of the cost here and who, who's actually got the most vested interest in the growth and success of NASL, is it still, and you and I have talked about this, is this still, is this still setting up as MLS and SUM against NASL and traffic? I think so. Uh, Bill Peterson in, has in, insisted repeatedly uh, that uh, that is not true. Uh, his direct quote uh, on the conference call was, traffic does not own this league, they own one team in this league, our owners own this league. That statement was false. Flat out false. And I'm sorry because I appreciate Bill Peterson's candor on a lot of things. Mm-hmm. But Traffic Sports manages the marketing rights for the NASL, as Bill Peterson has said before. They own the Carolina Railhawks, as he said before. They own all of the Class A shares in... Well, I shouldn't say they own all of the Class A shares. I've had conflicting reports as to whether they own all the Class A shares in NASL LLC, which is the the corporate entity that is the NASL, whether it's all the more a majority of the shares in Class A shares in NASL LLC, but it is nonetheless a significant investment. And for a long time, Aaron Davidson, the president of Traffic Sports, sat as the chairman of the board of the NASL. I don't know whether he does this year because I haven't seen, gone all the way through their 2015 media guide yet. But there are plenty of indications that Traffic Sports still plays a very large role in the operation of the NASL. And for as much as I, I want to see these markets and some of these teams that have people 
who I really like, especially in, in Indianapolis. I think Peter Wilt is one of the smartest people and the best people ever to work in American soccer. I want to see these teams succeed. I have major reservations about traffic sports' role in the NASL, and I know that I'm not alone. What is the what, what, for you? What would be the fundamental problem? And let me let me rise, maybe raise this above the level of just uh, traffic's involvement in the NASL. What would be the major problem with a company like Traffic, which we know has their toes in many different types of water, but is essentially a marketing company? What would be the problem with them or a marketing company in general being the driving force behind a league? They're, they're not just a marketing company. Okay, the all right. What's the problem then, John? In addition to their marketing stuff, which they do plenty of. In, with, they're the CONCACAF's marketing agency. They, they can Brazil, lots of other things. They're a player agency, and they own the clubs. You might think that's a conflict of interest. I, it certainly seems like one, yes. And there's a history, as you know, Jason, because I believe you've written about it, of traffic moving players it owns around the clubs it owns, and not always as to... to counter the point that Peterson made, not always at the players' full free will. Sure. Uh, you know, there, there are some high-profile uh, cases of players who signed with traffic, were shuttled between um, a couple of teams in Portugal, back to the U.S., back to, um, at one point, Miami FC was in that mix. Uh, yeah. And it, it didn't work out for the players. Now, I think the question for a lot of people, and I'm just playing devil's advocate here, John, is whether or not that is as much on traffic, if that's on traffic or if it's on the player and you know, again, the, you can you can sort of paint it as black hat, white hat with the young player being suckered in by the big bad company. But these guys have the opportunity to say no. They have the opportunity to direct their careers. At what point? Well, I mean, before they sign, certainly. Well, then this is part of why I wonder who Haji, I wonder about Haji Wright's agent and what advice he was giving. Okay. Okay. Uh, it certainly bears watching. I understand what you're saying. It bears Haji Wright's situation bears watching. And and while again, I think that that if this is a situation where Haji Wright is trying to to create an end run around MLS so that he can get to Europe sooner, that that from a player's perspective, forget what the NASL's role is in this is. I'm not sure that's wise from a player's perspective. And ultimately, as you said, that's that's on him and on his agent. I asked Bill Peterson tangentially to this point, as I, I, I and a few other folks were trying to find ways to get at some of the bigger issues here. NASL players are not unionized. Now, some folks out there may be perfectly fine with that and may indeed be in favor. I asked Bill Peterson what would happen if the NASL players came to the league and said, We'd like to unionize. And he said it'd be, he'd be all for it. But he also noted that – I'm trying to pull the exact quote up here. He also noted that because the – here it is. I don't know – I asked about whether they would want to collectively bargain over contract terms specifically, which happens in MLS, which is part of the reason why the contract structure is the way it is. Peterson's direct quote, I don't know why players would want to organize for that reason. Right now, they enjoy total free agency. I had an agent get back to me and said that that's – and I have a bunch of people retweet that quote, by the way. And I had an agent get back to me who works in MLS and said uh, Peterson's logic is flawed to say the least. And that's paraphrasing what the agent said. But in some cases, in fact, in a lot of cases, the players and the agents 
are perfectly happy to have the terms of their contracts defined by a collective bargaining. Sure. Yeah. I, there, there's there is a balance between um, knowing what you're getting and certainly having something. And look, MLS contracts aren't guaranteed until until a certain point. Uh, some players are guaranteed from the from the start. As you said, there are other contract there are other terms involved in in, in a contract. That's a little bit minutia for, for a lot of people. But in terms of the NASL, what is it about those contracts that, that leads, leads to uncertainty and, and, and therefore is not quite as good as Peterson might want to paint it? I don't know what all the money is. And, and to my knowledge, I have, I have not ever seen NASL salaries disclosed in the way the MLS salaries are now. Whether or not all of the MLS numbers are correct, that's been disputed many times over sure. there. But I, I don't know how much money Hydro Wright's going to make. Well, it, sure it, it's, 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 not, it's not in the best. Look, the MLS Players Union is the one who, uh, who publicizes MLS salaries. And, and certainly there's no union in the NASL to do the same. And it, is not, it, it does not benefit the NASL owners to publicize their salaries at all. Because uh, certainly Peterson would say, you know, would probably advise against it. If he's going to go out into public and paint that league as a an aspirational league that wants to get to a 1A level alongside MLS it, literally if those salaries and he and then they've been fairly honest they they have said you know we're not spending a lot of money we're not spending you know and if you talk to individual clubs they'll tell you you know we're not spending tons of money but it's not going to make them look good in comparison to even MLS who we know has salary issues of their own well, now that they've raised the minimum salary in MLS to what is it, fifty thousand dollars for apprentices and sixty thousand dollars for everybody else, something like that. You know, you got to again. How much money is Haji making? Yeah, it must be more than he's going to make in MLS, or he must have a guarantee that he's going somewhere in Europe in a year. Very interesting, John. Let me switch uh, switch tactics here and, and talk, or switch uh, topics can, can, here. Can I throw one other thing about sure. that's related to that on the NASL real quick? Bill Peterson said during his conference call, a potential expansion ownership group that comes to use the NASL as a way to build towards joining MLS, quote, would give us pause, end quote. Now, he said that, if my memory is right, a day after saying to you uh-huh. on the show here uh-huh. that he'd be happy to have foreign clubs come in and set up their outposts in MLS. Yes, he did say that. Uh, he he said that not in so many words, but it was certainly intimated that 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 was okay with with that. He didn't say it directly, but he, as no. you said, he clearly intimated. It. Yeah, he did, and and I and I don't recall him saying necessarily. I mean, he he, he comes on this show. I don't know. I don't know how this uh, conference call went. I it wasn't in. I wasn't party to it. But he comes on this show and he sort of paints things in glowing terms, or sort of shrugs some things off that I was surprised to hear him shrug off. And one of them is exactly that. M- uh, teams coming into his league with the intent on getting to MLS. And the notion that his, his league is a way station on the way to MLS for teams like Minnesota United, clearly. But even potentially in the future, San Antonio or, uh, or any number of teams. If the goal is, well, let's get an NESL because the, owners, the, the fees are lower and, and the, 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 the guidelines are easier to get around. And then if we can get, hey, we can get 5,000, 8,000 people in the door, that'll show MLS we have a market. Next thing you know, we get, an owner, we get some investors in who, who want to buy in, and, and we have an MLS team. That, that, that can't be the way to run a league. So it's going to be interesting to see how NESL deals with that. Um, I don't have a whole lot of time with you, John. We, we, we spent too much time on this, to be honest with you. Um, in terms of, somebody asked me yesterday about the MLS TV ratings, how to fix them. They're still stagnant. Is that the case? What, what's the situation with the MLS TV ratings in the first year through four weeks of these dedicated windows. I've liked a lot of what I've seen so far this year. 
the ratings are up considerably. Um, on on uh, on last year and the previous years, I think people have taken well to the Sunday evening time slots, and it's so crucial that there are no other games taking place during those windows, and because that immediately doubles the audience mm-hmm. for MLS games on national TV, and that's exactly what has happened. Now there have been some dud games. I was at one of them on Sunday, Philly Chicago. You know, and it sparked a conversation about with a lot of people about how. The teams in the third and fourth largest television markets in the country um, are laggards, plain and simple. Mm-hmm. And that's got to get fixed. And and at a certain point, I know MLS has a lot of things on its table, but at a certain point, I would hope that it is a concern to the folks in New York that the Chicago and Philadelphia franchises, as the Boston franchise has historically been, are not pulling their weight. Now, is, 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 is bigger picture though? Do you imagine that that the uh, the guys who pulled the trigger on this deal at ESPN and and Fox and certainly uh, Univision are are happy with the way things are trending? Oh yeah, absolutely. Okay, that that and and so MLS is building some equity in this deal just through a month of games. I, I certainly think so. Okay. Uh, the last thing, John, I, I don't have, I didn't have this on our list, and I, I didn't prep you with it, so I apologize. But I, I wonder if you have any comment on the situation uh, in Seattle with Kenny Cooper. He was waived by the Sounders. There was talk of a trade to Montreal. Of, uh, essentially, Montreal said we're not going to take a guy who doesn't want to be here, and Kenny said he didn't want to be there. There's some uh, there and there's some questions over roster compliance and when the rules are, are actually in effect and whether or not we have actual roster rules. Are those still not complete? I don't know. You don't know because don't know. because MLS right now. No, I, I don't, has the CBA been officially signed? Well, that's the question, isn't it? I I, th- I don't know that you can blame MLS if the CBA has not been ratified by the players officially. Now, we found out that the 2010 CBA was never officially ratified, and yet we did end up with roster rules um, from that. And and but this again goes back to what what my major criticism of Don Garber has been outside of the NYFC NYCFC stadium situation. John, and that's transparency. He talked about trying to push towards transparency, especially in in the aftermath of the Jermaine Jones situation. And have we seen any movement at all? No, no, nothing. So I don't understand why the league, why he would come out in front, say all of those things, and the league still dragged their feet on getting anything like transparency in front of the fan base. I put that, that on the I put that on the players' union. Okay, fair enough. I, I think you could bargain some of these some of the transparency into the CBA. And yet they don't want to push on those topics. They have not publicly, at least. Out of time with Jonathan Tannenwald. Follow him on the goalkeeper. Maybe we can have a discussion over there. And certainly we'll get John back in the near future to expound on some of these issues and more. And definitely go check out his Games to Watch column. I didn't get to touch on that either. John, thank you for your time. Happy Passover to those of your listeners observing. And also remember this. If if you don't want potential MLS teams in your league, but you're fine with foreign clubs coming in and putting outposts. Think about what the motives are. Well, there you go. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, we will transition to FC Dallas visiting Portland. We'll talk to the Oregonians, Jamie Goldberg, in just a minute. Don't go anywhere. Soccer Morning brought to you by WorldSoccerTalk.com. The 
Welcome back to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk with Jason Davis. Here we go, back on Soccer Morning, talking a little MLS. The Portland Timbers with Jamie Goldberg from the Oregonian on the line with me now. It's early out in uh, Portland. Hi, Jamie. How are you? Doing good, Jason. You got some coffee in you? You ready to talk a little Timbers? <laughs> yeah. All right. So Portland's welcoming FC Dallas to town uh, tomorrow night, so the late uh, the late game here on the East Coast. Uh, this is... This is a team, Jamie, that, again, first place in the Western Conference, wins a playoff series in 2013, falls flat in 2014, couldn't overcome a bad start, and I'm not sure yet to what to make of them in 2015. Okay, yes, Will Johnson is injured, Diego Valeri is injured, but is this is this start in the way things have gone? Because I look up there at the foot of the table, is this going to be something that's going to haunt them down the road? I think it's something that Timbers fans and us in the media out in Portland are all starting to kind of worry about, kind of starting to question. But at the same time, this is the same record the Timbers had in March of 2013. Caleb Porter has never won a game in March uh, (laughs) in his time as an MLS coach. But in 2013, the Timbers went on to win the Western Conference. Obviously, in 2014, they went on to not win a single game in April and didn't make playoffs. So it's I think it's probably a little bit too early to tell which way this is going to go. I think last year uh, they had more personnel problems than maybe they have now. Right now they have injuries, and having Valeri out for the Timbers is huge. That's very hard to overcome, and I don't know if they've figured out how to score consistently without him in the lineup yet. Um, but that said, they're much better defensively than they were last year uh, overall, although they keep finding ways to drop points, like last week, where Nat Borchers and Liam Ridgewell, one of the best, better setting center-back pairings, I would think, in the league, decide to let a ball go straight through them and right to Robert Earnshaw, and Vancouver scored the game-winning goal. Hey, so the, the, if they can the, cut out the silly mistakes, then mm-hmm. I don't know. That was a... That was a um... It was it was kind of a, a, a mind-boggling situation there to see Earnshaw just free like that on <laughs> on side. At least it, it seemed to be there wasn't much controversy that I saw, and able to just slot the ball into the net uh, against Portland for that win. I so so look as you said, the, the defense is better. the ba- The center back pairing is is an upgrade over anything that they saw last year, uh, and yet here they are, kind of kind of dragging along, struggling along. Is this? And as you said, the personnel issues with uh, last year may be worse, but there, there is there is certainly a, an element of waiting on Valerian, waiting on Johnson. How close are those guys, and, and ultimately how long is it going to take them to get back to full fitness and integrated back into the team? Well, originally we thought Johnson would be back um, maybe three to five games into the season. It sounds like he's not going to be back till May, as of the last time Porter talked to us about timelines. Uh, Valeri is also expected back in May, but neither of those guys are back in practice, so it's hard to tell until they get back in practice when they're yeah. actually going to be able to be fit enough to join the lineup. And um, Yeah, it is a little bit right now waiting for Valeri and Johnson, particularly Valeri, and last year, part of the slow start, um, maybe not the major reason for the slow start, but Valeri was coming off the sports hernia, and he was playing, but he wasn't 100%, and the Timbers were having trouble scoring. So I think it is a big deal that we might be looking at May for them coming back, but maybe not up to full form until later on. 
Is, is there any sense at all that, that and we're going to get to some of the, uh, the the talking points when it comes to Caleb Porter and his philosophy and his approach with this team that maybe has evolved over the last couple of years, but is there any sense at all that he's not sure what to throw out there right now? Uh, when Johnson's in there, he's obviously written in ink. When Valeri's available, he's in ink as well. Is there a sense that between... Yerudi and Fernandez and 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 Adi and Nagby, where to put these guys and how to play them? I think there is. Um, at the beginning in preseason, we were seeing Fernandez being used kind of uh, as a second forward, and Caleb moved away from that. And then he was starting Espria on the right wing. And last weekend, he sat Espria and started Yerudi and Adi. So it, it does seem like he's trying to figure out how this team can be an effective, mostly on the attacking side, how they can be an effective attacking team without Valeri, and it really hasn't completely come together yet. And again, to come back to, to, to Porter and his outlook, I mean, yes, so it, right now this is a, some of this is a function of who he's got available, but there was a lot made, uh, Grant Wall talked to him, and, and a lot made in the media about how Porter has sort of put behind him the, this, this uh, strict adherence to a uh, a pass happy possession happy sort of philosophy and is now moving into a more practical area and really what it just boils down to Jamie is it looks like Caleb Porter's realized that you win by any means necessary how is that being how's that gone over in Portland I think that the direct style play has worked well in when they've used it they haven't really used that kind of style play the last two games but they definitely did the first two and I, I think it's good that Caleb has kind of looked to other options, looked at a four four two rather than strictly sticking with um his four four or four three three. So I I mean I think overall it's gone over pretty well in Portland so far. Um but <laughs> if they don't start getting results, I think people are gonna start getting more worried and whatever evolution he's had, it doesn't mean that much if they can't translate it into results. Is this a big match tomorrow night against FC Dallas? FC Dallas is in first place. Those, the Timbers are at home. We know they're supposed to win games at home. It hasn't always been the case. It, it, is this a message game? Maybe, again, things are going to change later on in the season for the Timbers from a personnel perspective, but at least for the time being, and with April now upon us, it's time to start winning some games. Yeah, I think it's a huge game. I, I think they really have to give a response to last week's loss to Vancouver and also just to the performance in March. The, if the Timbers don't win in April, they saw what that did last year. And it's not going to be an easy month. They have um, Dallas and then Orlando and they have Seattle. They have New York City FC on the road. It, it's not going to be an easy month. And they have to do well in these next two home games Um to kind of set a statement, like you said, and kind of trying to change the way of the season seems to be going at the moment. It, it, this is a, a fascinating team to watch from the outside, Jamie, because of the passionate support in Portland, the the owner Merritt Paulson, the uh, the young coach with a, a lot of new ideas, or at least a, with a, a thought to be to playing a certain style, at least before his his evolution here. And I wonder where the panic point is or is not am i am i misreading the situation if i think well you know if, if the timbers are in last place in two or three weeks time there's got to be some sort of panic no I, I think that's right and i think a big part of that is because of last year 
everyone's looking at this year um, in because last year happened. So, yeah, if they haven't, if they're still last place, if they haven't won a game in two weeks, and they have two more road games left in April, there is going to be a huge panic. And even getting into the playoffs isn't going to be easy. I look at, you know, I look again, I look at this team and I look at the situation and I look at Merritt Paulson and I wonder how committed and, and, you know, I sort of always took the tact that this was a program rather than sort of let's just hire a coach and bring him in and see how many games he can win. They are buying into a program with, with Caleb Porter. He is being invested with a lot of faith and, and that, that, that gives him the ability to think in long, you know, in a longer term, which is good for a team usually. But again, this is if there's a lot of pressure there and there are fans who are getting frustrated and, and again, if they are in last place at a certain point and you kind of wonder if they're ever going to be able to scramble back, where's the breaking point there? I'm not suggesting Caleb Porter should be fired, but I'm wondering when it would get to the point where Caleb Porter might be fired. I mean, if they don't make playoffs again this year, I think maybe it's going to be at least a question in the media. I don't. It's hard for me to at this point mentally think of a point when Caleb Porter could be fired. I, I know that his relationship with the ownership with Merritt Paulson with Gavin Wilkinson is much better than John Spencer's relationship with those guys was. The communication lines are much more open. So I think just given that, it, it's going to take a lot for him to actually have his job on the line from um, from my perspective at least. But I don't know, another poor season, two in a row where they don't make playoffs. I know that people are at least going to start questioning in the media. What kind of what kind of danger do you, when you look at FC Dallas, I mean, Blas Perez comes back from international duty. They obviously have a guy like Fabian Castillo. I actually wrote a, a, a little blurb for ESPN FC about how I'm interested to see Nagby on one side and Castillo on the other. These are, are dynamic young players in this league I, I like watching. Uh, you have Tesho Akindeli, who won Rookie of the Year. You have a, a couple of other dangerous players. Obviously, I'm not sure about the status of Moro Diaz. When you look at FC Dallas, what is what is the problem that they they present to to the Portland that maybe is going to to give uh, Caleb Porter the most headaches? I mean, I think they're a good attacking team again, and uh, the defense is not going to be able to make silly mistakes like they did last week uh, against Vancouver. They're going to have to be solid through all. 90 minutes. I, I think whether uh, Mauro Diaz plays is a big deal, and I, I think we're all waiting to see if he's going to be in the lineup or not. Um, but yeah, Dallas is a really good team. There's a reason why they're right now in first place. The Timbers have done well against them at Providence Park. They've won three games and tied two, never lost in uh, since 2011 in their MLS history there against Dallas. But this is going to be a really tough game. This is not an easy gimme game for the Timbers and it's a time when they need kind of, they need a win. So it's not going to be easy. Certainly not. Uh, as you mentioned, the, the attacking prowess of FC Dallas, a team that also can, can kick you around a bit. And, mm-hmm. you know, uh, with, um, you know, sort of a lot of the, the talking points in New York about the, the width of that field and the, the surface, you know, when you come back to the, the surface in the situation at Providence park, um, how much of Caleb Porter's evolution and how much of his thinking on how to play and whether or not direct is a little bit better than maybe passing the ball around a lot is dictated by, you know, the fact that he's got, okay, he's got a guy like Darlington Navi in his team, but also by the fact that he's playing on turf in, uh, in what can often be a rainy environment. 
I mean, I, I think that might have part to do with it. I think it's much more of a personnel situation, though. I mean, you ha- that he has, he's been starting Espria, he's been starting Audi. Those are players that you can play direct to, um, and he's been having issues in defensive midfield with all the injuries. And in some games, has kind of wanted to skip the defensive midfield, just try to um, not build out of the back and. Um, use possession and passing to uh, build the attack. So I don't know how much the turf actually plays into it. I'm sure it's a consideration, but as turf goes, it's probably one of the better um, artificial surfaces in MLS as well. What's the? Uh, I always I always forget about this. What's the the dimensions there? I mean, I don't like to make a big deal about this. I think players adjust pretty quickly, but you know, a, a narrow field can sort of dictate things. I know Dom Kinnear had a preference for a, a narrow field down in Houston. Uh, helped his team, you know, keep things compact defensively. What's the, the the dimensions there at Providence Park, and how do they how do they play into into anything that we've already talked about? God, I don't actually... Um, has anybody said, Jamie, I, I, let me rephrase. Has anybody said, you know, this this is a narrow field, this is a, this is the way that, that Portland plays is sort of being impacted by the fact that this this field is a little smaller than, than maybe you would like? I mean, it's certainly not LA Galaxy, uh, StubHub Center uh, with... I don't know where it fits in the, in the grand scheme, but has anybody said, has anybody mentioned the field dimensions as being part of what the Portland Timbers do? I really haven't. I mean, they. I know they widen the pitch um, from year to year, so I think it's gotten wider over time. I haven't really heard anyone okay. say okay. that it's uh, really narrow, and that's the big contra- reason why they're playing one way or another. All right. So when you look ahead to to tomorrow night again, I mean, I imagine that uh, that with the danger that that FC Dallas presents, Caleb Porter is going to want to be tactically sound defensively sound but how much of that is going to impact the the timbers ability to score goals are we looking at you know at maybe the best case scenario is something like a like a one nothing win i mean it's going to be tough enough to keep dallas off the board but how do you go about scoring and presenting enough danger if you're worried about blas perez and fabian castillo and moro diaz and ryan hollingshead whoever else is in that lineup I mean, I think they are, the Timbers are at home. I think they are going to be throwing numbers in attack when it's appropriate. And I, I think they are going to be pushing the score um, and kind of hoping that, uh, I mean, not throwing numbers in, in in a way that's going to be completely crazy, but hoping that their defense just holds up. I don't think it's going to be a game where they're mostly focused on defense and trying to, the ultimate goal is just preventing Dallas from scoring because they are at home and they know they need to get a win. So I think attacking is probably going to be yeah. the most important priority for them. Yeah, but they can't get into a track meet with FC Dallas either. I, I know that they have yeah. s- some ability in that area. Certainly I would love to see Nagby getting a, getting some space and being able to run free. But you, you, you do that back and forth with FC Dallas and you're probably going to get burned, no pun intended. Uh, speaking of Nagby, before I let you go, Jamie, is there a difference? You see a difference between Darlington Nagby 2015 and Darlington Nagby 2014. I think we overstate how "quote unquote" poor his season was last year. Yeah, he scored one goal, but he did a lot of other good things. Is there a difference, and maybe not just in his mentality and how he's how he's a, uh, um, approaching the game, but also in the way Porter's using him? Yeah, I definitely think there's a difference, and I think the big reason is because Valeri's not in there, and he's being used more 
as a playmaker, the it's the tax kind of much more on his shoulders. And I think everyone in Portland really likes the way he's playing right now. We're wondering if the goal scoring from 2013 and before is going to come back. But like you said, he did have a better season than people necessarily give him credit for last year. Um, had a career year in assists. But yeah, he's playing with more confidence from a personal um, side, I would think. It, it looks like he is, at least. And our, I think our only worry is that when Valeri comes back, he's going to try to move more back into that secondary role where he's a little bit more passive. And um, I think Portland fans are hoping that he's going to continue trying to be um, a secondary playmaker when Valeri's here and playing with the same confidence. Jamie Goldberg from the Oregonian. You can follow her on Twitter. Jamie B. Goldberg covers the uh, Timbers out there for the paper and does an excellent job. Jamie, thank you for your time, and uh, hopefully it's a, it's a good game tomorrow night out there at Providence Park. Thank you so much. Uh, let's take a break. When we come back, we'll open up the phone lines on a Friday, 347-756-6276. Get in now with your, uh, your games of the weekend that you're watching or any other topics you want to talk about that USA leak. That jersey, whatever. Don't go anywhere. Be right back. Welcome back to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk with Jason Davis. Here we go, last segment on a Friday, getting ready for the big weekend. Phone lines open, 347-756-6276. Hit hit us up at Soccer Morning on Twitter if you are unable to get to a phone. Perhaps you have a job where your boss is breathing down your neck, or maybe you're, I don't know, out in the world doing things, listening to the program, not able to pick up your phone. Maybe you're listening on your phone and you don't want to stop the show to call from your phone. See, that's a problem. Like, if you're listening to something, you want to call, you can't do, how could you do both at the same time? Oh, and, and if I'm not mistaken, and I may be, I, I may be blowing up a spot here, I believe next week is when we're going to be shifting our, our phone situation. That's right. Next week, we'll be t- uh, taking phone calls in a slightly different manner. Won't be a problem for you guys. You'll be fine. All you regulars, sure Trevor will let you right through. <laughs> I'm sure you'll be I'm sure you'll have no problems. 347-756-6276. It's Friday. It's raining outside. We've had a, we've had a slow news week with all these internationals. I need your help. This is your part of the show. Don't leave me hanging. I just want to sit back and relax. I mean, I'll talk about whatever it is that's on your mind. And I, I look, I'm going to go with until I'm proven otherwise, because I've done this too many times with these leaked, these leaked kits. I've assumed, oh, that's a leak. That's not real. That's not happening. I think I did it with the bomb pop. It's like, ah, there's no way that's a real shirt. No chance that's the real one Nike's putting out there. And then I was proven wrong. So in this case, until I'm proven wrong, I'm going to go with this being the actual real home kit for the United States of America. That's what I'm going to go with. And it's hideous. It's absolutely atrocious. I need to see it on. I always say this, though. I need to see it on the players on the field. I don't like the blue. I don't like the block. Blue, 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 too much blue. 
for the away stuff. I don't know what the shorts are going to be like for this one, but it doesn't matter. You've got multiple colors happening. I just, I don't understand why the stupid stripes stop. Why are the, why are the stripes, Washington, help me out. Why are the stripes stopping? I had to, to cut off the show, so I don't even know what part you got to, because I'm one of those guys that listen on the phone. You have to make the phone call. <laughs> I was talking about the, the, the leaked jerseys, Washington. What's on your mind today? Dude, the leak, that leaked jersey, I hope it's fake. That thing is ugly as hell. It's ugly. <laughs> Seriously, they look like tassels. Like if you they, like if you ugly. ran if you ran I, I they can't would, believe Jason 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 like you, you lost like me the, when you said you liked the Waldo ones I like the Waldos I, I like the Waldos I hated the Waldos I like the Waldos Look I know they're not everybody's cup of tea and aesthetically speaking they're not exactly the best look in the world We're not talking I love the blue, the ones they wore against uh, Switzerland I love the blue ones those are cool I don't know it's, it's too much blue Washington it's just too <laughs> much blue and here's the thing when I I watched that game I, it took me a second to register who was who out there on the field? Because the I, I know, like I know, we go back in history, and uh, and there's a reason that the United States doesn't wear red. I think it's a dumb reason. I think it's I think we should be way over that. Let's get some more. <laughs> let's get some more red in the mix, please. We've been so dependent on blue that it's been ridiculous. That's part of the reason I like the Waldos because it was red. Give me give me some red, Washington. I'm partial to blue myself, but right, okay. Listen, the reason I was calling you was since, you know, slow news week and everything, I thought it'd be perfect to bring this up. You know how uh, next year we're having the uh, Century Copa America where they're bringing 16 from Coca-Cola and the 10 from South America? Yes. What are, what are your thoughts on just making that a permanent thing? I mean, well, I, I mean, really the, would like to have one tournament. I would love Americas. for that to happen. Washington, well, I would love for that to happen, but when do you jam it in? Like when, when in the schedule do you hear me out? Hear me out. Hear me out. Let's get rid of Gold Cup. Let's get rid of Copa America. Let's make one tournament. <laughs> I don't think that's going to they're going to happen uh, for a couple of reasons. Thanks for the call. I got to move on. There, there's there's tradition to consider. There's Comdebol's control of their tournament and Gold and and Concacaf's control of their tournament. And the fact that if you did that, if you had a con, a, con, a combination. Gold Cup, Copa America, you are cutting out. You have all of those, those South American teams because there's only, what, 10 countries in South America that play football? They, but you have, you're leaving out all of those Caribbean sides. You're, giving, you're not giving them a chance. You're not giving the Central American sides, the smaller ones, a chance to get into this tournament. You're not giving them a chance to play at, the, at, at a continental level. And I think that that's something that you have to consider. 347, you're on the air. Jason, hey. I uh, just wanted to check in. and uh, you know, I, I've been noticing that... Uh, there's obviously a New York City FC, uh, maybe, uh, I'm not going to say hatred, but a dislike from the show. You know, the April Fool's no. joke and everything. No, so, no, 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 no. Do not. I will, I will fight you on this, okay? <laughs> I, I understand why NYCFC exists. I actually dig the fact they have fans who are out there and care about this team. I, I think there's a lot of possibilities with a team in New York City. I think the league screwed up. I'm giving that team a uh, starting that team now before a stadium was even a glimmer in anybody's eye. Maybe they thought they had something done, but they botched it. And I think that the stadium situation as it exists now is poor. I think that they also fail on many levels when it comes to relations with the media and the fans. And beyond, but beyond that, I'm I'm totally fine with NYCFC. I, I want to go to a game. I want to go enjoy that atmosphere. I think it's pretty cool. Yeah, I was just going to say, what's, what's it going to take for you to 
realize that it's a complete success at this point. I mean, it's very early. I get it. And nobody does like the field. There, there are lots. Look, I, there are there are a lot of boxes to check. Attendance is a box. Check that box. Play on the field is a box. Okay, I guess you could check that box. Certainly, David Villa is fun to watch. I like Mick Discarude. There's lots of interesting things happening. I love Jason Christ. I'm a huge Jason Christ fan. I'm a Jason Christ fanboy. So I am that that box you can check for me. The stadium box is not checked. The uh, again the the relation the media relations the public relations the 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 marketing box is not checked for me yet. They got I know they got billboards. I don't know. I don't know about the marketing box even without doing anything. This team has made more of a splash than any team I think I've seen in the last fifteen years. Okay, all right. So, so not marketing, not marketing. I I guess, I guess, if you got a billboard, uh, you got a a mixed discarude ten story billboard in New York City, you're doing fine. You're doing way more than the Red Bulls ever did, I guess. And press, and press. There was national press. There was all the papers in the city, all the TV stations, radio stations talking about it. You know what it is? I want them to be better because there's so many possibilities there because this start has proven that there's a market in new york city for a major league soccer team i want them to be better i'm just holding them to a standard here i'm not hating on them i'm not this is not oh they shouldn't be there get rid of them i don't know if you're uh you know sending some bad vibes our way no absolutely not and look i i really do think that it would be a great story for them to succeed thanks for the call i do wonder when they get to that point, if they're going to have problems with, with sharing that stadium, playoff time for both teams. Eddie in Brooklyn, what's up? We got, since we hit the blue side of New York, now we're going to get the red side of New York. Hey, man, if, you, if, if the last caller doesn't want you to be a hater, I'll gladly do it before I get to my point. <laughs> well, I hope, I, 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 matter of fact, I, I want to tell this to NYCFC fans. I really hope you guys are having a blast going to Yankee Stadium watching these games. I've been really impressed with the attendance. Cause y'all going to have to get used to it. I don't see a stadium coming anytime soon. All right, fair enough. All right, what else is on your mind today, Eddie? You know, I got a weekly bone to pick too, right? Oh, um, yeah, weekly bone. I, I need a, I need a sound, Trevor. I need a sound drop <laughs> that, that indicates when Eddie's got a bone to pick. Go ahead, Eddie. This time it's Washington. Oh. Um, <laughs> I, don't, I don't, I don't. This is my, this is my beef with uh with American soccer fans, like this, the really snooty ones who kind of like look down on Concacaf. So, you know. Forget about CCL. We, why, we, why do we have to do CCL? Let's put us in Copa Libertadores. And now it's, you know, get rid of the Gold Cup and let's do something with uh, Copa America and let's combine them. Like, yeah. you, you can't keep looking down on CONCACAF. I, I, no, I guess that I you I guys don't... are like the golden child, but that doesn't mean you got to look down on us like with nothing. No, no, no. I don't, think that that's, I, I don't think that that's what Washington was going to. I think he just, I, I don't think it's, he's looking down on CONCACAF. I think he just wants to hitch his wagon I think a lot of people have thought this over the years, Eddie. They want to hitch their wagon to Comfortable because, hey, look, it's got Brazil and Argentina and Uruguay and all these all these great countries. And and I get that on us. And, and look, it, 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 there's some symmetry there. It's a whole it's a whole America's thing. It's got it's it's got a lot of sexiness to it, Eddie. I think that's what it is. But as I pointed out, as soon as Washington got off the line, you can't do it because you are you are pushing aside all of the quote unquote minnows of Conky Calf. And and look. Costa Rica and the United States and Mexico, they'd be, in, they'd be in this tournament all the time. But countries like Jamaica and Trinidad and Tobago and uh, you know El Salvador, they're going to have a much harder time getting into that tournament if you have some sort of qualification process and more often than not aren't going to be playing in it. So I'm with you. I, I, look, I'm all for pushing Gold Cup to new levels. Maybe that means inviting a, a team or two every now and then. We haven't done that. No. Why not? No, Why not? no, man. This is this is our region. This is our tournament, and it has been doing some good. You think Honduras is going to make a World Cup without you know 
the steps that the, the minimum minimal steps no, that Colin Kaepernick has taken. Look at the no, clubs no. in Costa Rica now. Now we're making finals in the CCL. Panama's like rejuvenated. We do this nonsense where we combine with Como Boy. We're leaving all these national teams behind, and that's not. You guys want to make the region better, but you want to do it by just forgetting about everybody else hey stop painting me with that brush that you well, got I'm, you know, I'm not only like you 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 know what i mean <laughs> yeah you 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 uh you you terrible american soccer fan that's what you're saying eddie right hey man i'm just saying like costa rica at one point we weren't like this okay it, it took it took we had to take steps and if, if we got left behind we wouldn't have been what we were in 2014. No, and I, I want to take that opportunity like, away from somebody like maybe a Honduras or a Panama, yeah. maybe eight, 12 years down the line. Absolutely. Absolutely. This is why whenever we talk CONCACAF, I had John Arnold not on the show not too long ago. I'm asking about Honduras and El Salvador. I didn't ask you about Nicaragua, but I don't really think they got a uh, uh, Panama. Yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm asking about some of these Central American teams. I'm asking about some of the Caribbean teams, you know, can compete on some level given the right, the right circumstances. I mean, I'm not asking about the Bahamas. We, we know they're not really making it anytime soon, but there are, there are some countries out there who absolutely deserve that shot. And I'm with you. You can't push aside. I, I, when I said invite, you know, I, again, I mean, maybe that's the wrong way to go, but I still think that you can focus on gold cup and CONCACAF and make it a, a bigger tournament. And this is why we also said, move the damn thing around, take it somewhere else. Yeah, Give those other definitely. countries an opportunity to host it. Eddie, I appreciate the comment. I don't want this to turn into another edition of New York Soccer Wars. And I know that was about international soccer, but you had Washington, the NYCFC fan, calling up and saying, let's do an America's tournament every single time. And then you got Eddie in Brooklyn, the Red Bulls fan, calling up to refute Washington's point and to bash him a little bit. I mean, you guys, the rest of the country has to represent a little bit here. I don't know what, what, who else have we had so far? Anybody from any other part of the country? Uh, yeah, we need a Cosmos fan to suggest folding CONCACAF altogether. That, that would, that would complete the trifecta here on a Friday. That would absolutely complete the trifecta. And by the way, this is your show at this point, 347-756-6276. It's Friday. I can hang it up right now. I could go, I could shut the show down and go about my weekend and be completely happy. I don't want to do that. I want to talk soccer with you guys. So you better get in. Tell me what you're watching for this weekend. Does anybody, I mean, what do you make of this Arsenal-Liverpool game coming up tomorrow? What do you got Orlando and D.C. United tonight? I'm sort of fascinated by that game. Again, Orlando has yet to win a home game. But they've got Kaká. They've obviously got Breck Shea back. They've got Molino back. They've got uh, uh, Laren back. They've got some some of their players who were away on duty, international duty. They have they still have some injury concern. DC United is relatively full strength. The only player they're really missing is Eddie Johnson, and we don't expect him to come back anytime soon. So what can DC United, the defending first place team in the East, do against the upstart Orlando City Soccer Club? Seven oh three on the air. They can do a lot. They they're they're doing well. I mean, we're missing the spindle up, but uh I think we're gonna be uh tough I did, to beat, I did even on Orlando. That. Purple turf or not. It's not going to be, <laughs> you know, I, I, thought, I thought yesterday I thought about doing a, an April Fool's Day roundup of all of the stories. I, just I to wanted see. to call you and talk about promotion and relegation, but I didn't think you would find the joke funny. <laughs> well, no, I don't want, promotion and relegation is a serious business, my friend. <laughs> what are you talking about? Funny. Yeah, you know, I didn't want you to like beat your head against the wall or anything. Deadly like, serious. No, no. no, look, I got no problem. And this is the, this is the policy of soccer morning. Okay. 
I have no problem talking about promotion and relegation in realistic terms. I have no problem right. talking about the future of American soccer and whether or not it should include pro-rel. I do have a That's problem right. with people who decide that because they are so fascinated with pro-rel, they need to bash everybody else. That's what I have a problem with. Understood. All right, Understood. And I agree. But uh, DC United tonight, I think it's going to be a good game. And then uh, tomorrow we got Everton uh, against uh, Southampton. So good games. And then to touch on the other thing, uh, you know, Nike, if they were smart, they would just bring back the Centennial kit, and that would be like our kit for forever because, you know, they, they sold out of it, I believe. Uh, it, was, it, was a, it was a great jersey. Well, I mean, that's the problem, though. Everybody's got it already. They can't sell you anymore. <laughs> They got to change it up because they got to sell you a new. Now, look again. Well, I'm saving my money right now with Nike. I, I tell you what, they are helping me keep my money in my wallet. The thing that bothers me most is if you picked a style, you picked a look. If you if, okay, forget the, if it's not Waldo. If you don't like the Waldo, fine. I don't care. Just pick one. Find something that you say this is how America looks. Then tweak it. That's what they do with the Dutch and the Argentines right. and the Spanish. Yeah. This is how you do this. You still sell the jersey. Those those jerseys still sell. Don't act like right. you can't sell a new jersey because it looks roughly similar to the last one. Pick right. something and stick with it. Ah, all right. Appreciate the <laughs> appreciate the phone call. All right. All right. Have a good one. There Bye. you go. Three four seven seven five six six two seven six. There's your phone number. Garrett wants to know who I have in Orlando City, D.C. United. I actually think Orlando City is going to win that game 2-1. Uh, just, uh, I'm, not, I, I'm not super impressed with D.C. United yet. Now, I know they, they kind of grinded their way to first place last season. And they may be capable of something like that this year. But again, the Spindola factor, Eddie Johnson missing, I'm not sure that's a huge loss. But they've got some, they've got some issues. They just lost Steve Birnbaum for at least a month. That's going to be a problem. I, Kofi Apare is a, a a player. I don't we we don't still don't know a whole lot about, even though he was touted as being relatively talented. He still never really played, never played for DC last year. Now he's being thrust into the lineup and asked to hold down the spot that Steve Steve Birnbaum held down so well last year. That made Steve Birnbaum a Rookie of the Year candidate in 2014. I don't I don't know if that's a, a good look, especially up against Kaká and company. I, I don't normally do um, predictions. Should I do predictions? Somebody want to write these down? I'm just going to rattle them off, all right? I'm, I'm, not, I'm not good at this. Soccer is probably the worst sport to try to predict when it comes to score lines. But here you go. I got Orlando beating DC 2-1. Chicago, Toronto. Uh, eh, let's go 1-1 on that one. Colorado, New England. I'll say one nothing New England. Seattle and Houston. Seattle hosting Houston. Clint Dempsey's injured. Uh, uh, we'll say a 2-1 Seattle in that game. Believe in them. Portland, I'm sorry, Vancouver and Los Angeles up in Vancouver. With LA getting their, their big guns back, I think they make a game of that. Probably two, let's say 2-2. I think Vancouver can certainly score as well. Portland and Dallas. That's the one we just talked about with Jamie Goldberg. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say two one. Uh, well, Dallas has never won there. I'll say one one on that game. San Jose hosting RSL. I'm gonna go one uh, one in that game as well. Sporting Kansas City hosting Philadelphia. Two one. Sporting Kansas City. Three four seven. You're on the air. And you hung up. You didn't wait it out. Six three zero. You're on the air. Hey, this is Matt in Chicago. What's going on, Matt? Well, I wanted to talk about the TV market question that Jonathan Tannenbaum brought up. Okay. 
So realistically, what do you think the league could actually do to push Chicago and Philly forward? Well, again, I think we uh, we addressed some of these things with John the last time he was on the show. Part of the problem, because he was sort of previewing that game last time he was on the show, part of the problem is that both of these teams play outside of the orbit of the major media in those cities. So you've got yeah. you've got Chicago playing in Bridgeview. You've got Philadelphia playing in Chester. It, it's just not local enough for those. I mean, it, it is local, obviously, and there are fans from the area, and, every, and soccer fans certainly care, but you, it's just when it comes to the sphere of, uh, of attention from the sports people in the town, you might get a score check. That's probably about it. Beyond yeah. that, beyond that, I mean, the team's just got to be better. I mean, that, that's a major part of this too. The teams have got to be better. I think Chicago has an absolute stud in the making in Harrison Ship, and if they figure out how to use him right and figure out how to make him a star, now you know, I don't know if they, if they could just get him out there somehow, maybe that would help. They obviously need to spend money on names that will drive attention and not just pander the way they did with Blanco and Castillo, but to actually get some major talent in who can help them win games beyond that. I don't know. I mean, I, I really don't know. I don't know how you catch lightning in a bottle. You it's, it, it's also particular to every market, right? I mean, it's, it's, you, you take Portland, it's obviously a smaller town, but you take Portland, you have a whole city that's sort of enraptured with the timbers on some level, even if not everybody goes out and watches the games in Chicago. There's so much happening. It's such a large city. It almost gets, it's almost like the fire get drowned out. Yeah, I mean, I think you're right. You know, realistically, we're stuck out in Bridgeview. That's not going to change anytime soon. But no. just from the club's history, we know that when they start winning, people will come out to the games. They're doing some things right. I mean, this year they signed a local TV deal with uh, Tomcat Sports in Chicago, which is much better known, has more resources, all that kind of stuff. But, you know, like last week, the team was in the first three games of the year. The weather sucks. Yeah. Nobody goes out to the game. It's going to yeah. happen. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what you, I don't know what you can do. And from what I understand, not everybody is happy with Hopman's uh, ownership out there. So there's, <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, there's a lot of factors involved. You need committed, and the same. Look, the same thing in Philadelphia. Not to to hate on Jay Sugarman. I don't know that guy, but Nick Sakevich is the guy who pulling the strings in Philadelphia. And a lot of people tell you they're not too happy about that either. So you have yeah. a lot of factors in common here with both of these cities. Um, one thing I want, since you're on the air and we're, since we're talking Chicago, I did get sure. uh, pushed this by, uh, by Jeff in Chicago. Looks like, uh, Bill Peterson is making noise about maybe getting involved with a fan group who wants to put an NASL team in Chicago, maybe even name it the Sting. What would you make of that? Um, I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon. I mean, uh, they just created a Twitter account that came up over the weekend. There's been some noise for a little while and it's the, not the same group of fans, but it's related to the group that is dissatisfied with Altman. And, you know, that's normal. I would be happy if it pushed both clubs forward. On the other hand, excuse me, like you said, the market's already cluttered. And what's going to happen, you know, with the second team? The main issue for me is where would they play? Could they play? Obviously, they would have to, in order to set themselves apart from the fire, they would have to play closer to the city center. Um, and and yeah. it, it, so you're you're identifying the fans that are involved in this push as people who are dissatisfied with the way this fire had been run. I think in part, I think it's also a group that maybe knew this thing the first time around, and so has still have that attachment. Okay, but that's I mean, I I, I just get I I get frustrated. Maybe you don't have to buy into everything MLS does, but the fire are your local team. They do represent Chicago. Again, I know they're in Bridgeview, and maybe that's a pain in the ass to get to for you. I, I don't know, but there's got to be. There's got to be some kind of, of criticism when it comes to why don't you just support the team we got rather than splitting loyalties and potentially you know, cannibalizing the, the crowd. 
I don't know. I mean, a new yeah. sting, a new sting might draw five thousand, but that's still that's five thousand people who could go out to fire games. I, I don't know. It's interesting. Yeah. yeah Personally, I'm with you there. I mean, fire's my team. I wouldn't be switching if the sting were in the city. I'd go see some matches, but um, yeah, I'm not changing sides. I'd like to see people support the team we've got. Yeah, appreciate the phone call, Matt. And obviously, look, Chicago's a little bit like New York in that you can imagine there's enough people and enough soccer fans to drive two teams. But, you know, even we can't really compare the Fire and the Red Bulls. The Red Bulls built a brand new, fa- fabulous stadium, state of the art. Yeah, the Fire have their own place. It's not quite on that same level. And, and look, the Red Bulls, whether or not you want to make fun of their attendance, still drew better than, than I think the Fire have. I don't know. I'd go compare the numbers. But I certainly feel like they had a bigger footprint in New York. And then to put a team on the other side of, well, not the other side of the city, but certainly in the city, a ways away. With the transportation issues in New York, you can cut your, get your head around that. I don't know. Maybe the Sting could work. David, what's up? Hey, Jason. Uh, speaking of the Sting, I mean the Fire, sorry about that. Um, Harrison Ship, so uh, I don't get it. I mean, with all these people who've been called into the U.S. men's national team, and i got to be honest, I'm ignorant about if Ship has been on our under-20 teams or any of the youth teams, but why isn't this guy getting a sniff for the national team? It's a good question. I mean, he's only in his second year as a pro. I don't know if that's a factor or not. I, I do think that it's it'd be interesting to consider what his position would be in the U.S. national team. I mean, he's a guy that, that needs a lot of the ball. You have, you have a guy who dominates the ball for the U.S. and Michael Bradley. If you, if, you, if you put Harrison Ship centrally, maybe you could play him in a 4-2-3-1 as a number 10 or something like that. But, I, I mean, there's... I think there's some questions over his sturdiness, his ability to play yeah. at international speed, and where you would actually play him. Where would he best be best suited, David? You don't. The, well, I, I think this is wrong. It's wrong to keep a talented player out of the national team simply because you don't know exactly what to do with him. Right. But well, you, you don't want to complicate matters. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say because there's been a lot of discussion lately about. You know, we've got some reasonably good sort of number sixes, if you will. I hate the numbers terms, by the way, but we've got some reasonably good sort of defensive midfielders, but we don't have any playmakers in that quote-unquote number 10 role. You know, and I look at this guy, and I, yeah, I know he's young, but you know what? Who cares? Yeah. I mean, who, who is Julian Green for crying out loud? What the hell is he but, doing but David, but, Well, David, okay, first of all, Julian Green is probably going to be a wide player for the U.S. He's not going to be a 10. I think if you're looking, oh, if you're looking at a player who who might be a ten in the future and has been gotten getting some buzz, it's Gideon Zellalem, who again hasn't even played as a senior le- as a senior level player for Arsenal more than a, a handful of minutes. So I don't really want to get ahead on that, but I do think that in the modern game, there's a question as to whether or not. Thanks for the call. There's a question as to whether or not the ten is a sort of luxury that you better be a team that dominates the ball. You better be a team that can possess the ball and pass it around the park and not risk getting yourself stretched if you're going to play a number ten. Because you are, if you're playing a 10, you're, you're essentially saying, okay, this is a guy who's not going to give us a whole lot of defensive effort. He's certainly going to be high enough up in the field that tracking back shouldn't be on his list of priorities. And if that's the case, are you able to sacrifice a defensively stout player? It doesn't have to be a defensively minded player, but it has to be a player who can track back, who can get the ball, who can hit recoveries. I mean, think of Benny Failhaber and his, the way he's, evolved in in, uh, in Kansas City recently. That's more of the player can still pick a pass but also gives you some bite and absolutely can give you some recovery. I don't know that that's that's not Harrison Ship's game. It's not Gideon Zellalem's game either. 
So when we come to the position, when we come to the time when Jurgen Klinsmann or his, his successor says, now we need to get this guy in and this guy in, we need to find a way to get these string pullers in. You have to figure out a way to make sure that that is part of a balanced team. And, and I think I'm not saying you don't do it. I'd love to see it happen. So these are the considerations coaches have. All right, let's, uh, let's wrap this up on a Friday. Thank you very much for listening to Soccer Morning all week long at worldsoccertalk.com, on iTunes, on Stitcher, on TuneIn, wherever you find the show, SoundCloud. That's how I sometimes listen to the, not, not this show, other shows on backheel.com is on SoundCloud. You can go to uh, backheel.com slash store to get yourself a lovely soccer morning mug. You can go get a t-shirt at 3nilfc.com. Make sure you're following us on Twitter as well at Soccer Morning. Excuse me, my voice is going. I am Davis JSN. Follow Hey Hayward as well for the inside look to the behind-the-scenes action. That is just kidding. I don't know. Mostly it's bad jokes. Some photoshopping involved. What else do you do on your Twitter account, Trevor? Thank you very much to Jonathan Tannenwald and Jamie Goldberg for their uh, insight today. We'll be back on Monday. We'll talk to you guys then. See ya.